0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Elevated Educators Nevada. This week we have an Elevated Educators exclusive. For the first time ever, the three founding members of CCSD parents sit down for their first interview together. They have done countless interviews before, but never as a trio. We hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Hello, elevators. We're sitting here with some really awesome ladies. Um, it's They're from a Facebook group that Brian yes. invited me to.
0: I, w- I invited you to. You did? I don't even remember. It must have been a long time ago.
1: No, it was recent.
0: <laughs> we are sitting here today with the founders, administrators, and moderators of the Facebook group, Twitter account, and anything else that they may have come up with CCSD parents.
1: And honestly, if you are a parent of a child in Clark County School District, you need to be a part of this group. You really do.
0: We'll take a moment for each of the three lovely ladies here to introduce themselves.
2: Hi, I'm Andrea (laughs) Cole, and I'm the parent of a 13-year-old boy
3: and an SOT member. Awesome. And she's not taking the full credit, but she's the (laughs) original founder-founder. She's the founder of the group. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I talk talking
0: about that. <laughs> and then we have the two Rebeccas.
3: And then, yes, we have two Rebeccas. So I'm Rebecca Garcia. Um, I have four kids. One already graduated from CCSD in 2013. And then I have two elementary school kids and a middle schooler. Um, I sit on two SOTs um, at the middle school and elementary level. Um, And then a lot of my background knowledge also came from my husband was a CCSD employee for 12 years. Wow, He is no longer, but so for a long time, we had a lot of CCSD in our family.
4: (laughs) And I'm the other Rebecca, Rebecca Colbert. I have a fourth grader and an eighth grader in CCSD right now. And I'm native Las Vegas, so I'm actually a product of CCSD.
1: Hey, we like those it's a, <laughs> successful. Product. And you don't yes. hear it
0: often. No. Native.
1: Native. <laughs> I, there's 12 of us. We all know each other. <laughs> tiny <laughs> tiny. <laughs> You have one of those Golden
4: Night shirts. It's like, Born and Raised. No, but I want my name on the... the sh- have you heard about the chandelier at Born and Raised, the bar? No. Well, if you're a native and you can prove it, they will put your name up on this fantastic Oh, chandelier. you need that. I haven't done it yet, but I want to. That's fantastic. <laughs> so,
2: Andrea, you are the founder? Yes. Yeah, so, How did you guys get started? Well... It was kind of born out of the budget cuts, um, not this past spring, but the spring of 2018. Mm. And as an SOT member, part of our job is to decide what to cut, right? Right. And so sitting through that meeting, um, I was just at my wits end. I'm like, why are we continuing to cut money from schools? This is ridiculous. And each SOT has three parents. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about all the other parents that don't know what's happening, right? And so I kind of reached out on social media, and I tried to hold a meeting of parents, and people did show up, but none of them were parents. I got teachers, and I got union members, and I got people running for, like, assemblymen and different things, and I really just... I kept going back to the parents are the ones who really need to stand up and say, these are our kids. This is ridiculous. We need Mm -hmm. to have that voice. And so, I thought, well, how am I going to find these parents? And I thought, well, I know where I am when I have a couple extra minutes. I'm scrolling on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So, I created the group and uh, I found these two amazing ladies to help me run it. How did you find the Rebecca's? (laughs) I
4: don't don't know which one you found first, but I know how she found me. Um, I I was angry about the same budget cuts. My son was in, was that the fifth grade cuts? Mm -hmm. It was. uh, His class had gone, you know, fifth grade had three teachers at the beginning of the year and then after count day they cut it to two teachers. Mm and mm-hmm. this is hurting my heart less than a month after count day he had over 40 kids in fifth grade and i got mad Oh uh, yeah and i got mad and talked to the media and i got mad and talked to the principal and then i talked to the board and i dragged my son and a couple of his friends and they talked to the board and i think andrea had seen that and she's like well, she is a pretty pissed off parent <laughs> so this total stranger messages me on facebook and she's like i have this group and i, I need help adminning it are you interested I'm in. Awesome. What else can I do? Yeah. And I think at that
2: point we had, you know... 12 people. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, just, yeah. And then, um, and Rebecca Garcia was one of the first people who found us and started commenting. and. I, I really had no idea how schools were funded. I just knew that budget cuts sucked. Right. I'm like, why are we cutting librarians? Why are there 60 kids in classes? Why are our teachers working three jobs? Like, this is crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, anyway, so Rebecca started commenting, and I was like, oh, this girl really knows her stuff. And so I messaged her
3: out of the blue.
2: Mm-hmm. Hello,
3: my name is Andrea.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> it was one of those things that kind of... It was the epitome of internet organic mm-hmm. um i had actually had surgery and was recuperating so i literally just on was on thing. my phone uh, for hours and hours um, and this group popped up and during our sot meetings during those same cuts we had had the discussion of how do we get people engaged um, my kids happened to go to Sandy Miller Elementary School, and Sandy Miller sits on our SOT, and she was saying, we need to get parents engaged. We need to get parents we need to get and she's like we need to go knock doors and I I remember the conversation very specifically I said they we don't knock doors anymore it's all online Mm -hmm. but it didn't exist when that conversation happened in March and April and so then when the group came up I was like oh this I mean it was just a really interesting organic flow and then we didn't actually even meet each other in person for months till the meeting with Dr. Jara that we had when he came into town That was the first time we actually met in person. He reached out to the group. No. No, we reached out to the group. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys asked, can we have a sit-down meeting
1: with you? We represent a lot of parents.
0: And then wasn't that like the first time you guys actually televised something live on the group?
3: Yep, that was our first Facebook Live. um, And that was, I think, really what allowed us to start having that two-way conversation. Because I think that was really the challenge. I know having been a CCSD parent continuously for a long time it's not necessarily anybody's fault necessarily, but the size of CCSD is so hard to get information. Mm -hmm. And then so much changes based on which school your kid's attending. And then there's really only one, it's only one direction. (laughs) And a lot of it isn't, able to go back and forth and so once we started having that opportunity for parents we saw that there was a lot of engagement around just that simple well what about this what about that and so with dr jar coming into town a year ago we put that as a goal right away to talk with him and then that became a facebook live and it was one of the most watched facebook lives on CCSD's page for quite a while wow
0: speaking of goals (laughs) <laughs> Obviously one of the first goals that you had was to meet Dr. Jara. What were other goals that you had when you guys decided to go full steam with this group?
2: Well, the overall goal in creating the group was to get our schools funded. As simple as that. And um, I knew how to start a Facebook group, but I definitely didn't know all the ins and outs of how schools were funded. so. I was up at night like reading legislative sessions trying to figure out where did the marijuana money go, <laughs> right? And um, I think that's one thing that's really great about our group, right, is that um, there's so many people with so much knowledge that we can all come together and teach each other.
4: And, um, I think right now our goal is also, we'd like to double or triple. You know, uh, I remember when we had a thousand, I don't remember two or three, but I remember four, we were like, yes! Mm-hmm. And now, you know, why can't we have eight? There's mm-hmm. 210,000 families in Southern Nevada that have children and CCSD. Mm-hmm. So why do we only have 4,000 members? Let's reach for 8,000 this year. That's a great idea. And we really thought with the funding push at the beginning of the legislative session in January that there would be a lot of media talk and a lot of attention. Um, and we all know how that went. Mm-hmm. But it got us to 4,000 members. It did. Yeah.
3: And we also along the way although our focus still is really the funding um, and we still try to always have that thread constantly coming back and just because it, there's so much that people don't understand related to it there's also a constant retelling of some of the same stuff as more members join um, but we also did find that there were so many people who had questions That weren't necessarily funding related and that was a real back and forth for us as administrators in the beginning it was do we stay really really narrow or do we allow more of those questions and in the end we decided to allow more because people had questions about magnets and transportation is always a hot topic whenever it comes up and just you know all those basic school questions that you don't always know where to go for answers and so Although that was not our original goal, and funding still is a big focus, I think we've found a really good niche to help people get some of those answers in a way that's easy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that continues to be a goal of just information sharing so that parents are informed.
1: And I love that. I've I've noticed, because I'm a part of the group now, you guys are really good about getting back to people very quickly and promptly. And if it's not one of you, it's an avid member of the group that's knowledgeable that answers. Um, Andrea, you mentioned marijuana money, you read legislation about it. And I know you get tons of questions on the group about where is this money? Why? Why isn't it being funded? So from your perspective, what have you read? And what do you understand about it?
4: Oh, gosh, how do you
1: answer? (laughs) Well, when people I mean, it's a very loaded question, right? right? Because the supplant versus supplement and all that craziness. When a when a member on your group asks, what about the marijuana money? What is a typical response that you give?
2: Um, I typically point them to that really good illustration that Hope for Nevada did with the bucket. Yes. <laughs> I really like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, explaining the supplant um, situation, and um, at this point, because it's been gone over so many times, I usually just direct people to search pot or marijuana <laughs> in the group and go to previous posts. <laughs> right. Because it's been explained so well by so many people. So it's
4: a good answer for them. There. The neat thing about getting that question over and over is it gives you the opportunity to explain the bigger funding problem mm-hmm. because everybody, I, Joe Schmo, who goes on to the group, says, well, what about the pot money? If we got the pot money, everything would be fine. And that's when we raise our hand and go, well, technically we get the pot money, but then we lose all the other money. And by the way, did you know we're funded at like 50 percent of what we should be? Mm-hmm. And they don't know that. Right. They only know that we need money. And so it gives us the opportunity to educate people about how much money we need and how underfunded we are in CCSD and in Nevada as a whole.
3: Well, I think that's one of the huge misconceptions that we're still, especially now because some improvement was done at the legislature this session to get the pot money more directed the way voters intended. But a lot of people don't realize that, for example, the room tax, which still was not corrected during this um, legislative session, that would provide substantially more money Mm -hmm. than what's coming in from marijuana. And so, again, it's that education piece that... And all of us are this way, you know, when you have kids and you're busy and school and soccer schedules and... (laughs) grocery shopping. Hello, Walmart delivery I love. Um, you know, it's hard to sometimes think about like, oh, I wonder what the legislature did about the room tax dollars. You know, What's I, the new funding yeah, formula? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I totally get how that's not on top of mind for most parents. Um, but I do think a lot of people have the misconception that marijuana is going to be this magic bullet. Mm-hmm. Just like people think a lottery is going to be a magic bullet. Um, and so that's where I think we are now, even even with the corrections that were made, it's now pointing out that the funding deficit is so large, Mm -hmm. and marijuana is really not what people think in their head it it is, Um, and so how do you help people understand that?
0: So besides for the marijuana money, what's one of the biggest issues that you guys see that's brought up all the time in the group?
3: Transportation. <laughs> Do you just
1: tell them go to the CCSD transportation <laughs> site? Oh gosh, no. no, no. No, we have names
3: and direct line
4: numbers <laughs> that people <can> share. Oh, um, <laughs>
3: but well, but again, it becomes a conversation about funding because typically we're running CC. And I say we, and I mean CCSD, CC, which I'm not employed by. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's make that very clear. <laughs> um, no member of my family is employed by CCSD. Um, but we're running 60 to 100 bus drivers short, generally at any uh-huh. given point during the year. And so a lot of times when parents are complaining about transportation, and, and I happen to be one of them this year because all of a sudden I'm now trying to figure out what's happening with my son's bus route. <laughs> um, so I get it. Um, it, it. It does go into a funding conversation mm-hmm. because I've had actually family members who are bus drivers and you're working a split shift you're getting paid about $14 an hour. Support staff insurance um, has for years gone up in Mm -hmm. price, and really you're paying even more out of pocket for it too. So not only is it increasing, you're paying more out of pocket. And then honestly, I don't know that, I, I am a mother of four who doesn't have the patience to be a bus driver. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> any of us I'll, us honest. Have the I'll be honest. Um, and so you know, I think that's again where we try to moderate conversations in a positive way, because it can be really easy on the internet for everybody to just be like, transportation's awful, everything's horrible. And then we try to pull it back and say, well, first of all, do you know that there's 100 vacancies? Do you know that this is not a job that pays giant bucks, Mm -hmm. um, and therefore we're not retaining people? Um, And again, this all goes back to lack of funding and it costs so much mm-hmm. money to provide transportation so it doesn't change the, the transportation frustration. <laughs> frustrations I don't think but I think it does make people think for a second oh ah. maybe that's why my kid's bus was late instead mm-hmm. of it's just somebody screwing up right,
2: right. and we've actually had um, bus drivers chime in on some of those conversations. Because they're parents
1: too, right? Yeah.
2: They're parents too, and they're people too. Mm-hmm. Right? So as people are saying, oh, well, this bus driver was so late. Well, that's a human being, and this is their job, and this is the situation that they're working under, and they're all doing their best. And I think it's really great for parents to be able to communicate with CCSD staff yeah, absolutely. in order to solve some of those problems. It's bringing people together.
1: Do you... Um people on your group complain about uh they don't understand why they don't have a bus or mm-hmm. if they live within like if they're too close to the school or things like that or is it just they're complaining about like what types of things are they complaining There's about with transportation
4: Late, just late but, late bus just late. A lot, or but also far stops out. far stops. magnet busing mm-hmm. has been an issue oh right pretty recently um Bus drivers who speed through neighborhoods. I mean, there's a variety. Okay. It's. I don't actually think I've heard the, why don't I have one? I live, like in my case, 1.85 miles from right. the school. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have one because we live 1.85 miles. Sure. Um, that would be nice because that's an easy answer. But right. mostly it's, why is my bus stop two and a half miles north when I'm a half mile away from this other bus stop? Why didn't I get assigned to <laughs> that one? And so you just direct them to somebody to call. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and now awesome. the online
3: resources... Um, And this, I can't say it's our us, but it has helped. I know 10 years ago when I was dealing with my oldest daughter's magnet busing versus now, it is a lot easier to find the answers, but you just have to know where to go. So now, again, it's easier for us to just drop in a link and people can look it up. And it's amazing how simple sometimes it is to get people the right answer Mm -hmm. Um, but again when you're new to a community or you've never had a kid in school before sometimes for us who've been around the block it's like well here's the link we're done and
4: and part (laughs) of it i'm a librarian by trade so i'm taught like if you don't know the answer show them where to find the answer and it kills me if there's something on there and you're like, oh, I know this. Let me explain this. You can't let it go unanswered mm-hmm. because you know. And if you don't know, you know where they can find out. And right. it's so easy. I think CCSD can be very intimidating, both mm-hmm. because of the size and because a lot of times well, almost all the employees are overworked um, and under-supported. I think I can make that blanket statement. And so they'll reach out, and maybe they get somebody on a bad day, or maybe they get the wrong department, and they get the runaround because we've had a lot of runaround complaints in mm. the group. Um, and it just takes a couple extra seconds to say, "Hey, I know somebody who knows that. Let me hook you up." And that's a lot of what that. we do. Yeah.
1: What I love about what you guys just said is, I'm a school counselor, and so you guys are pretty much doing my job
0: in a, in a social We're not media. Getting
1: paid 40 but you're not getting.
3: Paid. <laughs> we we actually sometimes joke about
1: that. I feel like you guys are. We should figure out how to help
0: them. (laughs) Go fund me for them.
3: But I do think we have had some great employees step up. We have some principals who answer those types of questions. uh We have people in central office departments, including some directors, who openly, yeah, (laughs) who openly let us tag them and say, "Can you answer this person's question?" And they hop on and answer it. Uh And so it is a lot of times just not having to go through a phone tree is nice. And I know
1: you have super. Well, you have those some school board of trustee members follow you.
3: We have almost all the trustee members in our group, and several of them are quite active about answering questions.
0: I know uh, Trustee Brooks, you guys did pretty much ask me anything with her. How did that go for how
4: It was really, really great. It was nice that somebody was that open, willing to be that open. Um, a, you know, anybody that's been to a school board meeting or watched a meeting knows that you get, if you get 10 public commenters, you can count on one or two that are just beyond the pale. This has nothing to do with what we're talking about. And <laughs> I love those. <laughs> That's why and, I watch. And they're reliable. And the trustees take it, and they take it in good grace. And so for Brooks to open herself up and say, hey, I'm on Facebook, go ahead. You don't know how many of those types are going to show up. Mm-hmm. But I think what she got were a lot of either parents with agendas or parents with specific questions, and we appreciated that. That's great. Uh, well,
3: one of the feedback that we've gotten multiple times too though, is that more people are willing to do that in our group because we do moderate it. So Mm -hmm. if people aren't, we do have group guidelines and we do ask people to, and they're really not hard. It's things like, you know, you said you're a school counselor. It's things you would teach your kid in the school to do. Yeah. Listen to both (laughs) sides, be respectful. Um, And so I find though that we get a lot better conversations because of that. Even when people disagree, Mm I think we have better conversations in the group and we have more people willing to participate because they know that it can actually be a discussion versus an attack.
4: And we don't, we don't bounce much or often, I'd say less than 10%. Um, mm. But we have removed comments. We have, have we blocked? We may have blocked a few fake Just profiles. A couple. Yeah, but I mean, it's been anecdotal. So That's for the most part, people show up polite and they mm-hmm. remain polite mm-hmm. once that it's pointed out to them that you have to be polite here. Right. <laughs>
1: Strong, I mean, to have good discourse in a group is hard and I think you guys have managed that very well.
2: It's
1: their yeah. unpaid part-time job. <laughs> <laughs> Some right. weeks, full-time. Cool right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it is the season boy. <laughs> <I don't>
0: so, <laughs> so besides for the Ask Me Anything with Brooks and the meeting with Jarrett, like, have you guys had any other involvement with the trustees through the group? or anybody else in particular. I've seen like the State Board of Education people there. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, Um, we do have members of the State Board, um, both current and past that participate and answer a lot of questions. Um, We've partnered with Hope for Nevada, which is another parent advocacy group. And we did um, a Q&A with the former superintendent for Nevada. Um, And so we try to really be open to any sort of connection if we think it's something parents are interested in we're getting ready to do a couple different um either facebook live or question and answer sessions related to um, attendance and school budgets Um, just really we kind of go based on what we're hearing like last year during magnet lottery season, we heard a ton. And so we got um, Gia from the magnet office um, and Rick from demographics and zoning came and did a Facebook live with us in hope. Um, And so, and it was great because a lot of group questions got answered. So it's really, we've, we've always said that you don't actually have to be a CCSD parent to participate, but it is, the content is focused to CCSD parents
0: because I know I've seen a lot of teachers, I've seen a lot of like charter parents in there too, mm-hmm. so, so you guys have a nice big group of people t- to get like a whole bunch of information from? Right.
2: Well, you know, school funding is a community issue, so mm-hmm. I think that CCSD Parents is creating a space for the community to come together and discuss it, and as well as just being a good resource for the parents in general, for
4: general questions.
0: So here's a question that I know I've seen posted many times. When someone would ask for pe- my parents to go on camera, or for an interview, it's like pulling teeth without any Novocaine.
4: Do you know how many reporters' numbers I have in my phone? Yeah.
0: I imagine you guys have plenty. And they
4: can't just keep putting us on the air or in right. print, because their editors are like, no, we've heard from Rebecca a lot. We need someone else. So what about I, the other Rebecca? So I, They've heard some- from me even more.
0: <laughs> so... Here, so, <laughs> so it's great. How hard is it to get like parents involved to actually make that next step? Like they'll comment on the group, but if you ask them to like get involved more, it seems like the response isn't there. I
2: think it's tricky. I think um, it's more comfortable for people to sit behind their computer screen with those comments, right? It's mm-hmm. so easy to just type something out on your phone but some people are camera shy, myself included, so I'm not really jumping to go on TV about this stuff. Um, Some people, I think, just maybe don't feel confident that they have enough information, and I think that's one thing I'd love for parents to understand is just by being a mom or a dad or a guardian, like. You can go and speak about how school funding affects your child and you really don't have to know the ins and outs of the problem or the solutions to the problem to be able to go and say to a reporter on camera, this is a problem for my child and my child's education.
4: Well, and what I discovered doing a number of these, uh, because I do work full-time, and I don't have time to squeeze in an interview, they will call you, they will come to your work. They will come and bring a cameraman to your workplace and take less than 10 minutes of your time, because Mm -hmm. they're just trying to do their job, which is really the same goal we have, educate the public about the issues. Right. And it's so easy. If you can just get over the camera shy and the authority fear, it's so easy.
1: Um, Yeah. I think what was that town hall with Carrie Hoffman? Hoffman, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um there was a parent in the audience that stood up and just bore her testimony and at the end of it she said, "I don't understand any of this. I'm so confused." And all of us were like, "Yes, honey." Like yes. we I want to hear about parents being angry and upset and confused because we need to hear that voice. That's if exactly. they don't know if they don't know where the money's coming from, that's a problem, right?
3: Yeah. Well, and I, I do think, though, because I think there's two kind of separate categories. I think there's parents getting engaged with the media process and speaking up in a public space. Um, but then I think there's also parents getting involved in more of the school setting, everything from your individual school site all the way up to the trustees meetings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not uncommon for me to show up to a trustee event and I'm one of like a parent or a couple parents with a bunch of CCSD employees sure. um, just the work session that the trustees held recently um, on the AB 309 I was one of the only just truly strictly parents like there's plenty of parents in the room but most of them were also employed by the district right. um, and I think some of it is timing like Rebecca mm-hmm. said a lot of parents work full-time we're also a shift so that makes life really hard Um, but I live in the east side of Las Vegas Mm -hmm. so um, I live in the heart of where we have a high high Spanish speaking population Mm -hmm. my kids go to schools that are you know 35-40% ELL or more and um I think there's a lot of challenges in our community where people don't parents don't feel like they can go into the school system and that they have a right to express their opinion and have a right to get information from the school I mean there's parents who really feel like that's not their place Mm -hmm. Um, and so or if they do feel it's their place they don't know how to do it or they've tried and not been welcomed and the reality Mm -hmm. is is that happens there is a huge difference from one school to another. And they can be, you know, my kids have attended schools a mile apart from each other that were night and day different. Mm -hmm. Um, And so depending on what a parent's prior experience has been really impacts whether or not they're willing to put themselves out again. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a bigger conversation that does require more people at the district level to really recognize that if you, because I hear it a lot, well, parents don't. Parents don't, you know, they have these things and it's like, how often are we actually (laughs) inviting parents in Mm -hmm. not for cookies and punch okay (laughs) but for actual substantive conversations Mm -hmm. and power sharing and opportunities to be partners in the process right because if parents show up and they don't feel like their time was used well, or they don't feel like they got heard, or they don't feel like there was a reason for them to be there, they're not going to use their PTO from work, <laughs> their
4: paid time right. off, to go. I had to take to vacation time to sit on the SOT. I was on the SOT for two years, and those meetings were mid-afternoon weekdays when I work. Right. And work isn't just going to say, okay, great, bye, have a good time. Right. Uh, that's a huge sacrifice and a lot of people cannot make it. Yeah, so
3: it needs to be high value Mm -hmm. and it can't always be in the way that schools want it to be in their box. And And that's, I think, one of the most frustrating things I see from principals to even the district level. They want parent engagement, but they only want parent engagement if it Mm -hmm. kind of fits their little box and their little structure. Or some, quite frankly, in our district don't want it at all. And, and once that happens, it is a deterrent for all of those parents, sometimes for years to come.
1: I kind of want to plug, we recently had a guest on our podcast that was my principal, um, Roxanne James. And she's just, I mean, you'll have to listen to it, but she's just so innovative and amazing. Something we do at our school are home visits. And so the whole point of a home visit is, like you said, it's not in our box. It's not on our territory. Yep. We're going on their home base. We're bringing um, translators to their home. And we're not there to talk about your kids' discipline or their grades. We're there to – what are your kids' hopes and dreams? Where do you want to see your child grow? Um, what can we do to help? Is there any questions you have? And I wish we did that district-wide. It's so relationship-building. And now when that parent comes onto campus, oh, you're in my house. Like They trust you. I, they trust me. They want to come to the school. They feel I break the barrier by going to them instead of – so when you talked about we don't knock on doors anymore – Maybe we should be knocking on doors to build some well, relationships. Well, I know like
0: many years ago, like they would do, not rescue visits, if you will, but like at some of the high-risk at turnaround schools, like mm-hmm. they would have like district officials, they would have admin go knock on the doors of people who are not coming to school and try to convince them to come back.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We don't do that anymore.
0: Well, but wonder- I think
3: a lot of it goes back to the culture and climate of schools. Mm-hmm. I, um, having had kids. So, again, I've had a child constantly enrolled for 13 and a half years. I've been a parent of a child constantly enrolled for 13 and a
1: half years. I was like, why is your child still
3: in school? Um, <laughs> it's when you have a 24-year-old and an 8-year-old. You get along. Um, and they've attended eight schools. But all I've lived in almost the same geographic area that whole time. So I've gotten zoned, magnet, um, and the biggest difference i've found from school to school is the culture and the climate Mm -hmm. and when parents are welcomed when parents feel like they have a seat at the table uh, not dragging the seat over but actually come participate um, it's a whole different experience and parents are willing to step up they're willing to take their time off to do that Um, and so that's i think one of the key things that I hope to see as we're really making changes at the district level, that that becomes a more common part of things. That's actually one reason why I have had real challenges with the fingerprinting law and Mm. the badging, is it's just one more barrier to parents being in the building. Especially the monetary part, you know? Yeah, Yeah. the
2: monetary part. And I think um, as teachers, just know that parents who maybe aren't available during the time that you guys are at school to come help you, they want to be there, but when you've got parents that are working crazy hours and... Three jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, as parents, we all love our kids, and we're sending our babies off to school. Mm-hmm. Like, we we care so much about what happens there, but I think that every parent in every circumstance, that's going to look different. So right. a stay-at-home mom, you might hear from a lot, but she doesn't love her kid any Right, more or less than a mom who's working three jobs and you might never hear from that mom for months. Yeah, it's not because they don't care. So I think just to remember
1: that. My principal always starts off the year by saying, every kid in this building is somebody's baby. And you need to treat them like they're somebody's baby. And she's all about just building humans. We build humans. And I'm like, I wish every school did this. Because (laughs) it just builds you up and it hypes me up for the year. Even if that kid's driving someone crazy, Mm -hmm. because I have teachers that come to me, Oh, you got to move so and so out of my class, man! I always say that someone's baby, yeah. someone we love them.
3: Well, even our own children, some days are yeah, hard to the, us, So we have to remember babies. that. Yes.
0: So we, we talked about a lot of it, but mm-hmm. what is the hardest thing? do You guys seem to get parents involved in, at school, either be at the SOT, helping teachers out, getting involved in at, in like the community and. In the legislative process like what is the biggest issue that you see?
2: I think to get parents on campus it's work schedules Mm -hmm. it's it's the timing right and um, the legislative stuff Mm -hmm. I mean I I think that we've tried really hard to give parents an opportunity to you can call you can email this is what you can say there's a lot of people out there that maybe don't have as much experience with that, so we're just trying to teach them that, hey, just a simple phone call or email. You don't have to show up anywhere, mm-hmm. you
4: know? I think because the, the years that I've spent at my elementary school, the administration really pulls their hair out over this. How do we get parents involved? How do we get parents to come to school? And the times that parents are required, registration,
0: mm-hmm. you actually
4: have to set foot in the school then. So they've put their best foot forward during that time. But even you know, one year I was dropping my daughter off and I have to be at work at eight and the gate opens at 7.45 and I went to the office and they said, oh no, we're not registering till 8.30. <laughs> and he, I like <laughs> erupted. You've gotta be kidding me. I have to be at work at 8.30 just like you have to be at work at 8.30. Could we work something out? Mm-hmm. Um, and because I'm that kind of difficult parent, they did. But it shouldn't be that hard. So we've talked a lot about removing barriers. Yeah. Um, parents show up when they see a direct impact or involvement on their individual student. Parents show up for music recitals, mm-hmm. for plays if their kids are in it. Um, we get good turnout at like family luncheons. Midday, you can kind of squeeze it in on your lunch hour. When there is a one-on-one correlation with their student, What I feel like I'm always doing is trying to show parents how showing up for other big events, literary night or a safety fair, how that really does matter to your individual student because they're sort of trained with tunnel vision. Well, is my kid doing anything? Are they on display? Do they get points for this? Do I have to turn something in? You have to make the connection that if you're involved in your child's school, your individual student does better, but you have to be involved in the large community.
1: Do you feel like it would be better for schools, because we are constantly racking our brains of what types of events should we be putting on, and do you feel like our events should be more student-centered, like make sure a kid is spotlighted, or make sure a certain group is spotlighted each event, so that way a parent is more inclined to come?
4: We, we did have that discussion. I'm constantly pushing, like, art fair, science fair, right. which we haven't done, um, because you don't want to single out, because then there will... There will be 75% of the kids that never get featured. Right. Um, But if you have enough variety throughout the year. The problem is teachers are contracted for, what, two evenings? I think we have to do three. 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 And one of them is
0: orientation. Open house, or or open house.
4: Actually, my principal yeah. cut open house. She doesn't like it. So. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I think That's what my admin yeah. says. I yeah. can't make teachers show up. I can only have them this many nights
3: a year. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that uh, my kids elementary school, um, we do, um, and part of it is because my kids go to an international baccalaureate program. So there are some that's differences. Um, but at an elementary school level, honestly, I wish we, we saw more IB practices district-wide because there's a lot of wonderful things with IB that could be um, mm-hmm. implemented at a broader level Um, but for example they do units of inquiry and as units are completed um, there's just class showcases and so we come in we see what they've been doing you see their projects most of the time there is a actual tangible project that they're showing off sometimes it's a grade level sometimes it's just your class sometimes there's huge transformations and sometimes it's um, science experience experiments in the courtyard and um, mm-hmm. one of the best i ever went to was fifth grade a math teacher had all of the kids break up into groups and then we as parents rotated around all the stations and learned the different math strategies. And as a parent who hated math, oh my gosh, I hated math. Um, I find math even more confusing now because I <laughs> I I, I passed, I passed math, you know, I wanted to go to college, so I went through, you know, pre-calculus, but did I know what I was doing? No, but I passed. Um, and so now it's like new math that's even more confusing. Um, and so we were sitting there having fifth graders help us figure out how to do decimals and fractions and do all these different, the new strategies that are used in math. And I thought that was one of the best opportunities I ever had to be engaged as a parent, because um, I I showed up to see my kid. And in the process, I actually met tons of his classmates, because we went round robin style. And then also, I actually came home with stuff to be able to work with him on. And that didn't, it was during the school day, so not all parents can attend, but she would vary when we did them. So some would be morning, some would be afternoon, and we were given advance notice. Mm -hmm. So it was easy to see if, you know, because a lot of people in town do work shifts where I may not be able to do the Friday at 10, but if there's a Tuesday at 3 or 2.30, I could do it. Um, And so I think part of it is, also recognizing that no one method is going to hit all parents and so you have to offer a variety right. of opportunities but again what I really like are opportunities where we can come into the classroom I am actually the parent that doesn't want to sit through an award ceremony for a bunch of kids to get a certificate right I have ADHD and that is just long and loud um, right. but I will go and listen to my kid talk about the roller coaster that they created as part of their unit of inquiry. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and in that process, I met all the other parents in the room. I talked to the teacher, I got to meet her friends. And so really that was a much higher re- return on my investment of time than sitting through an art, something where I was just sitting and there was a, you know, an mm-hmm. auditorium full of people. So I think that's how do you think outside the box and how do you make sure that there's multiple opportunities. And one of the huge things I found with parents Um, because I run the social media as a volunteer for some of my kids schools is um, we need to communicate with parents in multiple ways Mm -hmm. Um, not every parent accesses information in the same way most backpack flyers will never leave the backpack if they ever (laughs) make it into the backpack I swear my children like I don't know what they do with them and some parents who love ParentLink are going to hate facebook and it's going to be the mm-hmm. flip too so you need to have opportunities for engagement that are different times different places mm-hmm. different sizes and you need to have communication methods that vary and that reach people and not just assuming a one-time oh tomorrow we're having this event <laughs> right. i've never heard a single parent <laughs> who says i'm so glad i got a notice at four o'clock that i'm supposed to be at an assembly tomorrow at 10. right and yet I don't know how many times that was the notice I was given. Late notice.
1: I think our issue that my school runs into for communication is, um, since I'm in a middle school, the kids get savvy. They learn to block the school number on their parents' phone. And then, so now we're diving into... Same thing
0: we see at the high school level.
1: Emails with phone calls, with physical, when I see a parent in person. Or the kids
0: will have their numbers, the parents' number...
1: And parents, I'm in a very transient community, so phone numbers are changing constantly. Mm -hmm. Email addresses are changing constantly, so it's kind of hard. works two ways. Like, as long as they update their information, we can keep in touch with them. But yeah, I like that we need to vary communication at schools. That's important.
0: So, as Andrea and our listeners know, we always end our interviews with... (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah, station. Our Elevation Station. Andrew came prepared.
3: She did. <laughs> she didn't let us in
2: on the fact that we came prepared. Well, I was listening to um, your previous podcast. You guys are doing a great job, by the way. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, and, yeah, I love the questions that you ask at the end. I jotted down a couple answers. Well, really, to, to the first one. They're, they're
0: not. They? So, <laughs> so Andrew, will I ask you, while I have you give the, the response to the first one, so what is your dream school?
2: <laughs> that's actually what prompted me to write it down because when you ask that question right so many things started going through my head and I was like there's a lot to to put into a dream school so I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it um, she's got it on her phone I do I, okay so I wrote my dream school is I'm trying to hit all the different areas right of course. That's, a, that's, a, that's a big question I could write a the thesis on that um, So my dream school is a place that kids are excited to go with small class sizes, (laughs) a variety of after-school clubs, and happy teachers who don't have to work a second job to pay their bills. Yay, that's a good answer. that was really good. I love that. (laughs) I
0: would love to see a school in which teachers only have to work the one job.
1: job. Right? All right, so first, Rebecca... (laughs) You guys are both Rebecca G's? No, she's G, I'm C. You're C. Okay, so Rebecca C. Who is your favorite teacher and why? And it could be a real teacher or a fictional character.
4: Okay, uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to somebody that I grew up with. Um, Back in the day, the gifted and talented program was called, I think, AT, Academically Talented. And and I was a very shy, very smart kid. And in second grade, they shoved me in this AT class And back then, there were, you know, small class sizes, once upon a time in the valley. (laughs) And I would be in this um, advanced class with second, third, fourth, and fifth graders, and it was one teacher, and her name was Mrs. Kula. Kula? Kula. um, (laughs) K-U-L-L-A. She made a point of keeping in touch with us while we were all at the elementary school. And then when 12th grade happened, she invited us back for sort of a meet and greet. How have you turned out? What are your dreams? Are you, you know, going forward with this? And I never felt more valued as a student than when that teacher remembered our little cohort. She didn't have to. This was on her own time, and this was pre-Facebook and Internet, so I don't know how she found us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the town is more transient now. It's probably impossible.
1: I'm, like, trying not to cry. It's so
4: That's beautiful. Amazing. It's a really beautiful it story. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and just... As a, as a shy kid, because I was, believe it or not, now that I never shut up as an adult, <laughs> I was a shy, quiet kid. But she remembered To be recognized you. and remembered and rewarded and invited to like, hey, what do you think about the world now? And how did, what did you learn? And where are you going? I really felt like I mattered. So any teacher that can make a child feel like they matter like that, hats off. That's yeah. Amazing. Building
3: relationships, number one.
0: All right, Rebecca G., you Rebecca have the third G. and final question. I'm really
3: glad I didn't get that one, by the way, <laughs> I would have had such a hard time picking okay. a teacher. So
0: this might can. be a little bit harder. Oh, great. What is your favorite useless acronym or buzzword to use in education? Oh.
3: <laughs> it could be an acronym or a buzzword. Oh. Um, so I actually have created my own buzzword. Maybe it's not my own buzzword, but I use the term eduspeak. speak. <laughs> <laughs> <And laughs> So, so this is, so I'm going to not answer your question answer it <laughs> my way, um, which I guess is the way I do things. But um, I say this all because again, I shared at the beginning, my husband worked for CCSD as a support staff, non-teaching position for years. And so CCSD is an, was an a constant topic of conversation at home and on line I see this a lot too. I find that as um standards have changed, as the teaching profession has changed a lot. I have two siblings who are teachers. Um we've become obsessed with acronyms and like um you know, we can't even just say like like everything's scaling instruction instead of, you know, there's mm-hmm. all I mean, every single thing has an as a way to say it now. And it feels like sometimes as a parent, I'll be quite honest, um, I think sometimes they're used to make us feel stupid.
1: <laughs> they make us feel stupid. Right, man. and, and, and <laughs> I mean that
3: universally. It's like somebody pulls out the acronyms and the the vocabulary and the vernacular that's very relevant to education literature right now, mm-hmm. and they do it to make themselves sound better. Mm-hmm. And really, it just makes most people feel like they're stupid. And Or what's worse is that they can have a whole conversation or a whole post online, and you go back to it, and you're like, three sentences. That could have been like three words. Um, and so I, you speak is one of my least favorite things. Right. And I think we fall into it all the time. We need to use regular words and regular language. If I'm coming to you because my kid is not doing well in reading, mm-hmm. explaining four different levels of RTI and, you know, what their MAP score, which I, all those things are good things. I'm not. You're like, can my kid read? Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> uh, well, and, you know, well, we're going to do X, Y, Z. And then half the time, the term's on there as a parent who is involved in Educated, if I don't, my statement is always, if I as a parent who is involved and educated have no clue what you just said, then I can guarantee you 95% of parents are completely clueless. And so... Mm -hmm. It's a broader thing, but for me, it's edgy speak. Would you say that to somebody who had no idea what you were talking about? And most of the time, the answer is no. So just don't use real <laughs> words.
0: So, if anyone wanted to find you guys on social media, where can they find you?
3: In the parent group. <laughs> well, you have to say our <laughs> name. You have to say it. You have to so say I'm, the, it. I'm the social media uh, person of the group. We are Facebook, and it is CCSD Parents on instagram we also have an instagram account that we aren't super great about updating all the time um and then we also are on twitter also ccsd parents um eventually we'll get our website going and uh that's ccsdparentsnv.com i believe is what it is and then we also you can also email us at ccsdparentsnv at gmail.com and that goes to all three of us
0: thank you guys for coming Thank you,
3: ladies.
1: thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Elevating Educators Nevada. Please remember that any rebroadcast, editing, or manipulation of an Elevating Educators Nevada podcast without express written consent is prohibited. You can find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our handle is ElevatingEduNV. Or you can email us at Nevada at gmail.com Music for this podcast is Carefree from Kevin McClell. Thanks for listening.